Welcome to the Sports Sister podcast, where we bring together professional experts with grassroots pioneers to discuss key topics for grassroots sport. I'm Natalie Doyle, and in this episode, I'm joined by two people with a lot of passion for creating opportunities for girls. Kat Clifton is a former West Ham United player and PE teacher. In 2016, she founded She Can Play to provide more opportunities for girls to play football and has now created a pathway for girls across Essex and Hertfordshire. Leah Godfrey is chairwoman of the Capital Girls League and head of girls and women at Sporting Dewar FC. Leah has over 25 years of experience in business transformation, brand development and engagement, event production and charity leadership, which she now applies to modernising the girls and women's game. They're both big advocates for if you can see it, you can be it. I'm looking forward to this chat. Right, Kat and Leah, thank you so much for giving up your time to talk to me today. I know you both do fantastic work to create opportunities for girls to play football. But today I want to talk to you about creating opportunities for girls outside of playing, which I know you also do some fantastic work around as well. Leah, if I start with you with my first question, why is it important for you to create opportunities for girls outside of playing? I think... It's a little bit tricky because I would say uh, my first year here in the CGL, what I've tried to do is actually just intensely look at the football that they play and, and get that right. And I, I would say that what we've done is we've, we've also sort of looked at events and digital and social and other ways to, to reach girls off of the pitch so that there's more connectivity. Um, when we look at the women's game, we see that social football is really popular. And in a recent interview of our players for the state of play, you know, they spoke about how football gives them confidence. And when you ask girls what they love about football, they won't tell you anything about football. They'll tell you about <laughs> their club and their friends um, and what it means to them. And so I think I have to say, being new to the role, I focused a lot on the football this year. But what we did was, you know, with our big events, we did TikTok challenges. Uh, we did a sports broad drive. We had the Women's Euro Trophy. We did a storytelling booth. What we tried to do is build around the football itself. Um, but I am keen to do more events that unite this community because if they're united more because of their friendships and their clubs and their relationships, that tells us that they'll benefit more from social engagement without a ball. I think this might be Kat's area of expertise more than mine. <laughs> <laughs> Kat, what, why is it important for you? I think it's really important for, for girls to have other opportunities because I'm a big believer in what you do is not who you are. And with girls football, a lot of them zone in and then, and it happens with boys football as well, they'll zone in, I want to be a footballer, I want to be a footballer, that's all I want. They get to 16 and what, 1% make it to be professional footballers. So I don't know why we don't do more of this. If only 1% making it to be a professional footballer, let's open up their eyes to see what other opportunities are out there to develop more of a, like a more rounded person rather than just having a sole one identity of I must be a footballer. And if I don't, if I am not successful in being a footballer, I'm not a successful person. So I think identity for me is a big one and, and what you do is not who you are. So let's try and explore that so they feel a little bit more confident and in their ability to go and do other things. To speak to what Kat is saying as well about identity, that's a huge part of it. 
um, you know, who you, the, the U.S. can be a bit of a meritocracy in the sense that you're rated on how you perform at work and at sports. And all of that is considered sort of your measure of success as opposed to just sort of who you are independently as, as a person. And what I really like about girls football here is, you know, part of the, the part of it's obviously really set far behind in terms of the life cycle of girls football. But the, the win of that is that there's actually far more community um, involved with it. So when I, when I hear what Kat's talking about, it flags up for me, like we're going to be doing some referee programs, all female referee programs um, at Hackney Marshes this year. And I, I know that we can't do coaching that's provided um, uh, directly by the FA, but we've looked at coaching development. So I'm really just sort of heading to that point that Kat is at where I'm thinking to myself, how do we continue to engage girls? And, and what's been lovely is we've had a few former CGL players come back and intern for us. And so we're kind of looking at what type of opportunities you can get as an intern, just because there's such a wide breadth of things that we're responsible for that you could be interested in social media, finances, analytics, event planning, and there'd be a little bit of work for you to do. But I think that Kat's right to hone in on, you know, the fact that there's a microscopic amount of players that move forward. And frankly, on the women's game, there are a lot of players who don't want to move forward. Because if you're in any league other than the Women's Super League, you're likely working a second job. Your, your pay is, is very, you know, middle of the road if you're lucky. And that's just not as appealing, I think. I think, you know, I think boys don't mind that as much. If you can play, if you can wear the badge, that'd be fine. They don't have to face that because they get paid at almost every level. So I think that it is about alternative options and how you contribute. I would say too, Kat, you know, I find this under 10 generation completely new these girls come off the pitch and they're like, I'm going to be in the women's super league. I'm going to be a reporter. I'm going to be a reporter. I'm going to be a journalist. Like they not, they already actually have a sense that this is the world that they want to be in. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, over to you. <laughs> yeah, why, why do you think that is Leah? Is that because they're just more confident growing up at, at that sort of level? Or is it because they're coming into a world where they see that there are loads of opportunities, loads more opportunities than there would have been for previous generations? Why do you think they're... 100% it's seeing it. And I think that when you... So State of Play is a marketing initiative that we did to tell the story of all of our clubs. And so we interviewed all of these um, players. And and in it, um, they... um, uh, they uh, again. I, I mentioned that they talk a lot about confidence, but also they. Um, I don't know. They see this as something that is more of a hobby as opposed to something that they want to do. But regardless of that, they talk a lot about how much they want to see more girls and women on TV. All of the girls that we interviewed from maybe thirteen and up talked about that. And when we did a documentary. Um, in uh, April, it was the same thing. Uh, we had Rachel Woodland from Fulham say, talk about the moment she had her name on the back of her jersey. She was like, seems like a little thing, but I never thought that would happen. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if you're closer to our age, um, Natalie, um, <laughs> the only thing you could just be, see women on sports was every four years when the Olympics played. And I, I mean, I was a tyrant. I was like, clear the living room. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I do think if you can see it, you can be it. We only do all female reps and linos at all of our events. Um, that's the first time I've been to an event that it's been run by women, completely top to bottom. But I had 10-year-old girls there. That's their experience at 10. So I think it is about about healthy mirroring, about seeing you know Alex Scott out there, about seeing powerful women 
who work in football. Yeah, if you if you can see it, you can be it. It's one of your big taglines, I think, as well, isn't it, Kat? Oh, yeah, I love it. I absolutely love it. So like you're saying with the under 10s, I think what's beautiful about that age is how curious they are and how many questions they ask. So for their starting point to walk into Wembley to 50,000 people, that's the first time they've ever been to a football match. Now, the first time I went to a football match with my dad, and I must have been about 10 or 11, really excited to go and watch the women's team. And there was about three people in the stands. I think we left at half time because I said to my dad, I can play better than these lot. <laughs> and that, that was my first experience. And then like, for you, Leah, to say you've gone into an event like that and it's ref by all females, like, that's at your age. And then we've got under 10s doing that for the rest of their life now. That's going to think they're going to think this is normal. Yeah. Why isn't it like um, this? They're going to go to the next event. Though. Why, why, was, why, why haven't we got all girls everywhere? Right. Like, this isn't normal. So creating the norm. Um, is so important and, and with the under 10s yeah 100% they're so curious and, and they ask the best questions and for them to see for the first time all of these different powerful women and powerful role models that's going to help them create opportunities for themselves in the future like you said like how do I be a journalist and and how do I do this and I, my favorite question is what if what if um what if I go down this route and what if I look on YouTube to to get better at this skill? What, what if I ask my coach um, how to create a video for other girls to learn from me? Like, that's what they do. They, they're, they're so curious and inquisitive. It's a great generation to be in women's football. It really is. I mean, I, I literally had no intentions of being in football. I've been in football for 16 months. Um, like full time. And I just, I dipped in, I was volunteering, I was retraining to open a gallery. And all of a sudden, it just like, oh, my God, it sucked me right back in. And here, <laughs> it's too exciting. Yeah, it is definitely. Yeah. I really liked, Leah, when you were talking about um, using some of the former players as interns, How, what sort of things have you had them doing within the league? Um, so we've had, so interestingly, it's been based on what their, their interests are really, um, because I always have work that needs doing. So um, <laughs> we've, had, um, we've had somebody who's actually been working on um, researching an NFT and Web3 project for us uh, because they wanted to go into finance. And I, I knew that that, you know, there's a short window to be world's first on that. Uh, so we've had someone work on that. We've had loads of different event interns, uh, a lot of people interested in event management. Um, we had somebody who was interested in governance. So she worked on the league handbook, actually, which was mm-hmm. phenomenal um, as well. And then I'm trying to think we've had people who are interested um, in social media marketing. We've got someone right now who's writing all of the content for State of Play. He's got a phenomenal voice, which I didn't think I would be picking a, a guy to do it. But he's just really good. It sounds like me writing. So I'm like, great. Um, I'm trying to think of what other roles they've had. We've done analytics. I would say mostly it's events, social media, marketing, a little bit of governance and some finance. Yeah. Yeah. What great experience for them, though, as well. If that's the areas that they're interested in, that they want to go into as a career, what a fantastic way to get some experience. Yeah. I was just like, you know, our semis, this is a world first event. Like we have all obviously all female uh, reps and linos, which in and of itself in this country is rare. But I was like, we're using park balls. This is the first um, world's first carbon negative football girls uh, event. We were interviewed live by BBC One on the day. 
we had the Euros trophy there. We had the production of a small documentary where we were interviewing players and, and, and also Amanda Lewis from London FA, Katie Phillipson from Middlesex. We had um, Sam from Amateur um, and coaches. So it's just, it's meant to be more dynamic. And so you can sink your teeth into different areas. And, and I felt like being a part of that event was really exciting. Kat, you did some great work as well, which I have to mention, obviously, because Sports Sister are involved, but around showing the players how they can aspire to own businesses. Could you talk a little bit more about, about that project that you did? Sure. So I'm a big believer in modelling. Um, I listen to a lot of books um, and podcasts, and they say the best way for children to learn is not by telling them what to do, is by modelling and what we said earlier, like you've got to be able to see it. So <clears throat> it started off with, um, I actually designed our own football kit because I was sick and tired of ordering extra large boys in the Nike and Adidas kits. It just does my head in and it doesn't fit the girls properly and they feel insecure wearing it. So that's where it actually started. I designed my own football kit and my own tracksuit for the players. And then I thought, actually, while I'm designing it, why, why am I not utilising this space to bring on female-owned businesses. Like, I'm not just going to get any old sponsor. Like, come on, this is she can play. Let's think outside the box. So instead of getting, instead of getting like, the green the green king down the bottom of the road to sponsor us, I put it out and I said, look, I'm looking for female-owned businesses. Is anybody up for it? I've never seen it done before. And then, that you got in touch and said, Do you know what, Kat, we'd love to sponsor you. We'd love to be on the kit. And then we ended up having seven female-owned businesses sponsoring our football kit for this season. And that is on every single shirt for every single player to wear. And it's designed by a female. So every time they put on that shirt, they're looking at those female and businesses logos and they're thinking, I could do that one day. And and what else is beautiful is that every one of those businesses is completely different. Like we've got you, Nat, and then we've got like a, a bulldog charity that one of our mums created. And it's that that just makes me happy like I'm just smiling about it now because I know every time they put on that shirt like they're seeing that every single day you can be a business owner you can be an entrepreneur if you want to yeah it was fantastic and we um obviously we came down to one of your sessions didn't we near the start of the season and did a bit of a Q&A with the players and got absolute I think that's probably the most intense interview I've ever had in t- <laughs> when I was trying to get jobs when I was employed <laughs> from the girls like fantastic questions around how we came up with the idea for the business and the things that we encounter through running the businesses and I think it's just really good obviously it's something that I'm very passionate about so it's great to be able to demonstrate to, to girls that that is a possible opportunity for them in the future so yeah we're really yeah, massive fans of that project that's for sure but you were, you were so great, Matt. That, that's wonderful. I, I really, uh, it really irks me that up until this past season, you couldn't even order girls' kit at all. Um, and and so every time you do it, it's like I'm just swearing. I honestly, I'm just like, you know, trying to do that. So I think, uh, well done to you for doing that. But I just want to say, I think it's so savvy for you to just go out and seek female only sponsorships for that. Um, the two main sponsors that we're seeking are female-run businesses, and I've chosen them for that reason. Mm-hmm. And I'm in the minute in, in the middle of finishing up our ethical partner policy um, because we're only going to work with gender and ethnically diverse companies. And I, I just got out of a meeting with a, a really lovely gent about a Web3 website, and I just said, you know, it's really only you and three other gentlemen 
here. This is not, this doesn't, you know, I can't see that we would spend this amount of money with it, with a group that doesn't even have a single female employee. Yeah. Um, because you do need to put your money and your power where your mouth is or nothing will, will change really. Yeah. So true. So true. Isn't it? I think when you talk about, if you can see it, you can be it. It's, not just about playing is it it's and you think of the obvious ones are coaching and refereeing for example but then Leah when you talk about the projects you've done with the interns Kat when you talk about the stuff that you're doing with female-owned businesses it's all it just expanding their horizons isn't it and getting them thinking about things that they maybe would have never considered yeah no totally I mean even with the when we go back to curiosity in that when you were talking in front of the girls I just have to say this they were under 11, under 12s, and you could have heard a pin drop when they were asking your questions and they were listening because for the first time, like, they're looking at female-owned business owners. They've never seen that before, ever. Like, I don't think I've ever seen that before. And for them to – and you could you could see the light bulbs going off in their head. That, I think that's why they were asking such good questions because they were seeing things for the first time and asking questions that they've never thought of before. And I'm sure, I'm 100% sure there will be a female-owned business owner in that group of children you're talking to, Nat. And it was one of my favourite nights I've ever had at She Can Play. So I just wanted to like say thank you for coming down because it was so special. It was, it was a pleasure for me. I mean, because, I mean, I took the leap into running my own business. I mean, Sports Sister will be one this year, this weekend. So it's been oh, very congratulations. short for me. Exactly. So, thank you um but it's one of like I was probably it's something I'd considered before but hadn't been brave enough to do and you think if well maybe if you'd had someone come down and talk to you at the age of 10 11 12 and show you that it's possible you might actually be more open to that as an option so the earlier you can start those conversations with players and and young people the the bigger impact it can have Agreed. It really is a life changer. I think you do need to see that women can be successful as 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 owners in order to believe that that's something that you can do. I, I at 19, started a cake company, my entire backgrounds in food um, with a friend of mine. And it was because I just, you know, we, we came upon a need and talked it through. And she was like, well, do you think that you could find us a kitchen in that area? Because we obviously there are loads of restaurants that need high end cakes. And I was like, yeah, actually, I know a bar that doesn't do any food. <laughs> Let's see if they'll let us do that. But being taught to be scrappy early on and that there was no reason why we couldn't do that. And it wasn't overwhelming or beyond our scope is what led me to run nine other companies after that. It made a huge impact on me. Yeah. So I love that moment. I wish I had seen that. That sounds so empowering. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was, it was really good. It was a good night. Right. I'm going to, um, I'm going to try and get thinking about some tips that we can give to, if you've got clubs and organizations who want to look at how they can provide these opportunities for girls, how they can empower their girls to think about the other opportunities that might be available to them. What sort of, what would be your top tips about how they approach that? I'm going to let Kat go first on this. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's, if that's good or if that's throwing you under the bus, Kat, but we'll see. Okay. I, I, I'm going to go back to my modeling. I think yeah. they need to see the behaviours modelled. There's no point just giving them a list of things. Look, you can go be a coach. You can go be a ref, go be a physio it's just it's just old school I think they need to see the behavior so like if you're running a tournament we ran a tournament last weekend 
all female refs is hosted by females all female sponsors like we go down to really tiny details and i'm not shoving that down their throat i'm not saying look at all these uh, female refs and all these female coaches i'm it's just like planting seeds i just love planting seeds and that all, then they're, they're coming up with the idea. And if they come up with the idea, they're more likely to remember it. So what I'd say to clubs is I'd say, look, take your time and plan any events with the future in mind. So what seeds can you plant right now that will flourish when the girls see them? They come up with the idea that, oh, that, that, that's a good idea there. What, what is that a female rare for? They might look at it and say, oh, what business is, is doing the catering there? Oh, it was a female-owned caterer. Wow, maybe I could do that one day. Um, I would say just take time and think about the tiny, tiny details. Don't just tell the girls what they could be or what they could do. Let them be curious and let them be inquisitive to try and discover little tiny moments like aha moments little light bulb moments where, where they come up with the ideas. Yeah, brilliant. What about you, Leah? Um, you know, I'm struggling a little bit with it because, you know, it's a little bit it's a little bit tricky as a league because it's the clubs that really um, oversee that development with the players. Um, you know, I do wear a coat that says chairwoman and everybody, you know, everyone's a little bit funny about me going with chairwoman instead of chair initially. And I was just like, when there are loads of chairwomen, I won't need to be a chairwoman anymore. We can all be chairs. But until that point, you know, that's that's what it is. And so I even wear that coat when it's too warm. And I always <laughs> take time to introduce myself to girls and to tell them what I do and why I do it. Um, and they often are surprised to find a woman in football. I don't know if you find that, Kat, but if I'm honest, you know, girls football in this country you know, it's off the backs of a lot of women who played illegally for a long time and kept pushing, but it's very much propped up by dad coaches and dad fans, um, the vast majority. And so I don't want to sort of like undo all of that good work, but they, um, they, I think it is about visibility, but in listening to you, Kat, I was thinking to myself, you know, am I telling um, the story of our league committee, of the women on our committee that, you know, make a massive difference and are driving change. I'm not sure if I'm doing that to the, like, the best degree that I can. One of the other things that we were thinking about doing, I couldn't just, I couldn't agree with you more about modeling and mirroring. Mirroring, I feel like that is the, the best route forward. But we've been looking at different um, sponsorships that we would have with banks as well, because I think that for me, part of one of the initiatives that we want to launch is, is, is to work with a bank that has an account that really is kind of set up the way that we think that girls and women, you know, people in general should start so that every check that goes in immediately, a portion of it goes to retirement from age 18 on um, that goes into your savings account that goes into a mad money account and then into your checking account. This, this immediate sort of built in understanding that every dollar that you earn needs to be or pound needs to be respected and and to be thought about because I think that one of the things that's most important is is changing the financial situation for women and for me that comes with like you know it should come at the jump at sixteen at at seventeen and eighteen when you have an account so I've thought a lot about that I mean we're talking about how to empower the next generation here um, 
And for me, part of it was just a huge drive around our digital connectivity, which resonates. I spend all hours on Instagram messaging back and forth with with kids who are like, thank you for posting that. Or, you know, I play in this country. Can you can you support us? I, I think that there's a big space for that as well. But yeah, I think that I have to focus a little bit more on the mirroring because we aren't present with the players. It's not like a club. It's not like my teams that yeah. do that, that see me all the time and know me and know my role. Um, mm-hmm. You've got to kind of marry that layer, I suppose. What you said about empowering women, Leah, I think that's that's really, really powerful. And it just I just had a little light bulb moment there while I was listening to you. And the thing is, with if you think about it, with girls' football clubs, and you said the original question was how to help the clubs, that. A lot, and you said, Leah, it's a lot of dads that are coaching. So actually, why aren't the mums coaching? Is the lack of confidence from giving birth, they don't go into work, they're full-time mum. And I think they give a lot of that time to being a mum and they lose confidence in everything else. And I think how can clubs, if we change the question, how can clubs create a safe environment for mums to feel like they can take ownership of different initiatives within the clubs like we had a mum a couple of months ago message me and say look at none of no one would do the lion so I stepped up and done it it's normally the dads why aren't mums running the lion yeah because they're they're scared of what other people think so how can we create psychological safety within your club where if a mum does want to run the lion the other parents are not going to laugh and think look there's, there's a woman running the lion but You've got to, you've got to start somewhere, and creating that psychological safety for the mums to feel confident in saying, do you know what? Yeah, do you know what? I will run this team, and then another mum will say, do you know what? I'll come and help you. I'm going to run the next age group. Yeah, and I would love to see more of that. I really would. I think that's a brilliant idea. I agree. I think a lot of it has to do with confidence. I mean, mums are now both of mine are fifteen and sorry, sixteen and seventeen, but. The thing is, I would say for for moms in their 40s like that, the ones that I meet refer to themselves as the lost generation. And so I've I've met two women in 10 years in this country that played football that are my age. It's just so rare. So I wonder, too, if if they just, you know, if part of it is, is there's a soft education, too. This is what it takes to run a line. These are really like the 10 core things that you need to do well and making sure that people feel that that's straightforward and confident, that they're comfortable with that. But I also wonder, too, like when I think about what you need to do at the club level, there's so many bitty roles that you could use support with, even if it was just somebody doing player registration. Um, uh, or letting people know that you want to run an event. Chances are somebody has that experience. So I think creating better pathways for parents to contribute at the club and letting people know what those are is a really good, strong first step. Um, and I just want you to know, Kat, I am going to steal your, we're only accepting female-owned sponsors for Kit, because I'm sorry, I just can't, like, it's got little stars. <laughs> I've done quite a few things like, you know, to try and gain sponsorship. One of the things we've done, because we have mostly male coaches, is that we gave away day tampons um, at a tournament so that everybody had a box of them with them. And they were really open to that. But there were so many men who were just like, thanks, because I wouldn't have asked and I didn't know and I wasn't sure, but I will always have this in my bag. Um, I love that. <laughs> it's breaking down like the things that no one talks about for yeah. me. Like we, last year we had um, the doctor, I can't remember his name, now, Dr. Carl, and he come and spoke to all our parents on two different occasions via Zoom. 
about periods. And I said on my email, I want to see all the dads listening to this because it's not just a mum job. I want to see all the dads listening to this because they need to know. They can't just be squirmish about it. And their daughters will appreciate that, that they're going, they're being a little bit vulnerable in listening to periods. So why can't the mums be a little bit vulnerable and run the line? Right. It's a good story. So it's so true. And I think the key bit, as you mentioned there, Kat, is around how do the clubs create that safe environment that people feel comfortable to do that? And I think that's a really good thing for any clubs who are listening to this to reflect on on whether their environment is one where you would have a mum who would be confident enough to do those things. Thank you both very much for giving up your time. There's been such some fantastic tips and it's been great to hear about the stuff that you do as well to show the girls that you've got involved in your programs around what they can aspire to be um it's been really it's a really nice chat it's really uh motivational one for me so um thank you both very much for joining me you're Um, welcome pleasure pleasure thanks for doing this and being a resource to clubs now i think it's phenomenal work and um you know if you have people on us like us on who are trying to figure things out i think that you know, the whole series is really a benefit to clubs uh, because I think that they don't always know the next step. So thank you for doing this. Wow, what a couple of inspirational women we've had on this week's episode. Thank you so much to Kat and Leah for joining me for that conversation. It was really inspiring. And I think for me, it was great to also get onto the conversation around showing young girls the opportunities to run their own businesses when they're older because that's certainly something that I'm really passionate about and that Kat and Leah also have a lot of experience in. They've been really creative with the ways that they've provided other opportunities for girls within their own organisations and setups and I hope that today's episode has inspired you as much as it's inspired me and I hope it's given you some ideas that you can utilise either for yourself or for your organisation. We've only got one more episode left of this series, so we'll be back again soon with two more fantastic guests. We'll speak to you soon.